Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. Well, we have a very interesting program today, and we have one of our guests calling in from uh, Europe, and uh, we're happy to have him. Francisco Centraro is head of registry operations at BatCloud. He's here to talk about uh, how new domains are bringing greater choice and opportunity for online exposure and business growth. Francisco, welcome to the program. Hi, Don. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's, uh, it's really a pleasure to be here. Well, if you can call in, you're five or six hours ahead of us, so it's almost the end of the day for you, huh? Yes, I'm in London at the moment. It's 4 p.m. here. Oh, well, uh, sometimes I wish I could be in London, too. But uh, as we ask all our guests uh, first, for, tell us a little bit about yourself. Because uh, you've got a fascinating background. Yes. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Italian originally, as probably you could have told from, from my accent already. Uh, but I've lived in Sweden for 14 years. And uh, uh, most of this time I've worked in the domain names and hosting space, uh, both on the registrar side, so the companies that sell domain names to end users, and then more recently um, on the registry side. Um, and then uh, about uh, a couple of years ago, I had this opportunity to uh, come and launch this new extension called uh, .cloud, um, which has been an interesting journey because obviously it's, it gives us an opportunity to bring out uh, our message to, to people um, about the cool things you can do with, with domain names in general and hopefully also with .cloud specifically. Um, well, okay. Well, now t tell us about that dot cloud. Tell us. Um, assume, that, uh, as indeed is the case of, of my, of my of myself, that we know nothing. What does dot cloud do, and what are the new domain uh, names uh, that you're talking about? Yes. So obviously you're you're familiar with the fact that every website is normally associated with with a domain name. So uh, back in, in the past, you had options like .com, .net, or country goals like .us. Um, and in that space now, in the last few years, uh, there has been an expansion of the options available. So there's hundreds of new domain endings available that you can choose from, and .cloud is, is one of these uh, new extensions you can buy from, from any registrar in the market, from GoDaddyName.com, and so on. So you get them from the same place where you would normally buy 
uh, your your website, your email, and, and that kind of service. And the idea is that they give people uh, a better opportunity to describe their business in a different way. You have add context to um, to, to your online presence uh, and uh, basically help you tell your story online uh, a little better. And dot cloud uh, is, as I said, one of these new extensions that that has become available on the market in the last um, couple of years. We um, we went live uh, about eight months ago um, in mid February, and we've been quite successful with uh, with this extension so far. Uh, we've sold over 70,000 domain names to customers in over 140 um, countries around the world. Um, so it's been um, a very good journey for us. What is mostly important is obviously a lot of these domain names are being used by businesses of all kinds and, and in different locations uh, to do many interesting things. So obviously uh, cloud companies have adopted it, but what is, what is even more interesting is that the word cloud is such a, like, a modern, fresh um, term. It's something that even people that are not particularly technically minded understand nowadays. Um, and, and have a positive association with it. So, so we've seen a lot of cool um, usage examples also from, from people that have nothing to do with cloud computing as such. Um, and the way we talk about these new domain names is really about an opportunity that you have to kind of use also the domain name to, to tell your, your business story um, in a different way and kind of stand out from, from the crowd really. Well, well, let me interrupt you here. Let me let me see if I understand what you're saying. Uh, so, in effect, dot cloud. Uh, if you have a company that, for instance, is offering a, a product uh, th through the cloud, this helps you. Uh, uh, ABC dot cloud then becomes uh, uh, an easier way for for you to uh, reach people. Am I correct? Exactly. That is exactly the, you're exactly correct, yes. It's, it's a new web address that, and the thing is that the word cloud, because it's such a, like a popular term that people around the world understand, is already a very popular keyword that used to be uh, used quite extensively in registration in other extensions, like .com or .net. So you had people that maybe bought their name of the company cloud.com and now have an opportunity to just say, this is my company.cloud. Uh, which is obviously a shorter name, it's, it's descriptive, and it's quite, um, quite nice. Uh, so we do have uh, cloud professionals that use it. Um, Amazon has bought quite a few of them and used them um, to point to different parts of their cloud offering. Or uh, Samsung has a cloud platform, they use the domain arctic.cloud. Uh, but at the same time, it's an open extension, so there is no requirement for you to be a cloud provider. If you feel that the word cloud is, is an interesting keyword to use in your name. Many companies do use the word cloud in their, in their name, even though they're not cloud providers. Uh, then obviously you're most welcome to, to buy one. You can find it to uh, any register like GoDaddy or, or name.com. They're very affordable. They're most often less than $10 to, to register and maintain. And, and as I said, we've seen a lot of cool examples. One of these is, for instance, um, a company in Scottsdale, Arizona, that offers uh, their massage therapist. They'll come to your office and, and provide massage services for, like, you know, to uh, offices and other other businesses. And and their domain name is massage.cloud. 
and what I love about these is obviously that, first of all, I, I, I hear the word cloud, I, I almost feel like relaxed a little bit already, right? It makes you think of, of the fluffy clouds in the sky. So it's, it's a great domain name. Um, it, it, it's obviously like they got this one word dot cloud domain name, which is short and effective, and it doesn't, no, it, it's very, um, it's very effective as, as, a, as a message, basically. And uh, yeah, they, they're not a cloud company, but they're exploiting the world to, to kind of tell their story in a different way, I think, which is very interesting, very uh, fascinating. Well, for instance, I look at it and think of the word storm.cloud for um, a weather company or, or uh, um, uh, uh, I see a lot of great advantages. Can you give us a couple of other examples of companies that have used cloud? It's fascinating. I'm just curious. Absolutely. So, um, uh, yes, you have, like, for instance, there is a marketing consulting company up in Seattle that, that used the domain name funnel.cloud. Um, and, and again, cloud is, is, is a word that many people associate with, with being modern, being forward thinking. So, so it's a way to not highlight the fact that, that you're um, somebody that, that, that people would want to hire to do something like good work, interesting um, uh, web work. Um, but also we have, I mean, one of my favorite <laughs> the cloud website is actually burrito.cloud, which is a collection of pictures of amazing burritos. And in that case, the word cloud is used almost as, um, as a synonym for a collection of everything about something. Uh, another great .cloud website is actually bible.cloud, which is uh, run by the Digital Bible Association in the US, and is basically a collection of Bibles in different languages. So you can use the keyword to add, kind of add context to, to the message you're, you're giving out. And, and the way we talk about it is it's an opportunity, right? So, so again, if you feel that, that it gives value to your story, complete the way you tell your story online, then, then it's definitely something you should consider. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely picking a good domain name in general, and not just a cloud, but, but there are, again, a lot of opportunities there. So the, what, what I tell people is look at what is out there and pick what is right for you is, uh, again, the possibility of, of, of building a complete online presence also with, with, the, with the name you use. Oh, um, that's fascinating. Uh, how did you, well, tell us a little bit how you managed to get the name .cloud. And to, to do, how does that work? I, I know um, we've had a couple of people on, but it, it, it costs a lot of money to uh, become the purveyor of that uh, Am I correct? Uh, yes, I mean it, it does require like a, like a significant financial investment, but also as a registry provider, you're taking a big responsibility. So obviously, there is an organization called ICANN, um, which is a not-for-profit organization that basically coordinates everything that has to do with domain names and IP addresses, so that basically domain names resolve to website, and you can use the internet as you're used to do, um, and and. Basically, what, what they've done in a few years ago is that they opened up the possibility for companies to apply for new extensions. Um, and then you had like, uh, private companies applying for their brand extensions, um, uh, and then other companies like ourselves applying for generic terms to actually sell domain names um, on the open market. But again, the point is that 
you need to have like strong financial resources mostly because it's a big piece of responsibility first and foremost so they don't want to give it to to anybody and the company behind dot cloud is actually italy's biggest hosting company um so so i mean uh, we we run the two businesses separately obviously but but still we have the backing of somebody with with solid financial um, resources so that means we're here now will be around for the foreseeable future, and, and, and that's also a very important thing when you run these type of operations. Um, and there was a round for applying for extension that was back in 2012. Right now, there is discussion in the community for opening a second round in a few years from now. So it's not something that you can just go and, and apply for, but there will be more opportunities for people that want to run their extensions in, in a few years, probably, um, which is obviously quite interesting. Um, an opportunity that maybe people will want to consider. Hmm. Um, oh, oh, okay. You, you have what is the potential? Um, you, you have, a, if I heard right, thirty thousand uh, already. I mean, what, what is the upper limit to um, such a domain as yours? So actually, it's seventy-five thousand. Um, we got to thirty thousand oh, in the first. Um, week, so it's actually been very successful. Um, the lim I wouldn't talk about limits. I would say clearly, you you see loads of statistics saying that many small and medium businesses still don't have an online presence, um, and and obviously that as as the internet becomes more and more important as a tool to reach your customers, that's something that clearly they're going to have to look into. So it's more about helping these businesses get online, doing it. Um, right so that they can actually use the internet as an instrument to drive business and drive growth. Um, so there's definitely a lot of potential because even in advanced economies like the United States itself or, or here in Western Europe, um, there's 30% of companies in, in many countries still don't have an online presence. So there's a lot of potential, um, a lot of effort that we need to do as well ourselves to inform people that these opportunities does exist that you can, uh, you can use also new domain names. But again, it's part of a broader online strategy. Domain name is a piece of uh, doing a good job of presenting your business online. You, have, you need to have a good website, you need to do well with, with social media. Having a good domain name is part of that, and, and it, it's, it's something that definitely we need to teach people how to use it better to, um, to, um, to reach their customers and, and grow their business. Um, you know, um, we're speaking with Francisco Centrara. He's uh, head, head of, um, I guess, everything at Dot Cloud. Tell us, Francisco, how people can reach you or your company directly. So we obviously uh, have our website is get.cloud. Um, and so you can, you can come to the website, read stories also about people that are using the domain name. So it, it's a good way to get inspiration. And you can buy a .cloud domain name from any of the major registry and hosting companies. So wherever you have your website already or your most um, famous names, or, or obviously you can, you can find a .cloud domain name there at GoDaddy, Namecheap, uh, DreamHost. Uh, it's, it's fairly easy to find. There's no requirements, and it's, you're not going to spend more than 10 bucks for it. So it's, it's definitely a good marketing investment uh, for, for what you, uh, you invest in it. I'm sorry, Francisco. Are you there? Yes, I am. 
I yeah. left you for a second. I'm so, I, I left you for a minute because uh, our last, our next guest uh, uh, had the wrong number. You know, uh, people have said oh. often that I have the <laughs> wrong number, but I'm glad you, I, I'm glad you had the right number. Uh, I have one one more question for you, Francisco. If um, um, if you now have that cloud, do you have any plans uh, for um, uh, additional uh, domains? At the moment, we're focused on on building out that cloud. Also, because as I said, there's not going to be an opportunity to apply for more extension for a few more years. Um, and and I think we have a great extension. It's something that people understand. There is a lot of, of work that we can do to reach out to businesses of all size, all sizes. So I think we all we do have quite a lot of work <laughs> cut out for us as it is with the cloud. But we'll see when the opportunity comes. Uh, with the experience we're we're gaining running the cloud, I don't see why we couldn't add more extensions and provide even more choices to to customers around the world. Well, I'm I'm fascinated by it. I'm glad you came by. Let me, uh, but l let me ask you uh, uh, one one more question. What has been the most effective way uh, that you've been uh, been able to market your dot um, cloud? Well, we spend a lot of time talking about this opportunity, and the way we do it, people that will visit get.cloud will also see it, that we talk about what people are doing with the domain name. I think it's important that it's not an abstract concept, the .cloud domain name, but that I can tell you the story about Massage Cloud, uh, about uh, Fundle.cloud, uh, and, and give people inspiration and show that you can actually build something interesting, different, that, that gets people's attention by being clever about the domain name you choose. So that's definitely the effort that we put in there is share the stories. And if any of, our, any of the listeners are already using a .cloud domain name and doing something interesting, we definitely want to hear from them and, and see what opportunities there are to, to kind of use their story as well to, to show that you can do really cool things with, with a fitting domain name. Well, uh, Francisco, I've been fascinated. And thank you for joining us today. Uh, well, I've learned a lot, and I hope our audience has as well. And, uh, you know, next year we're going to invite you back and tell us how, how things are going. I'd love that. It's been a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you very much. No, you've, you've been a great guest. Thank you. Thank you. Our next guest, uh, I probably gave him the wrong number. Uh, is Dave, uh, this is definitely an Italian-American day today. Uh, Dave Marinaccio? Marinaccio. Uh, my family says Marinaccio, but, but like all Italian families, we do argue about the pronunciation of our name. Uh, well, mine proper is Mozzella, but it's always been anglicized into Mozzella. But anyway, uh, you're the uh, author of a fascinating book, besides being a successful marketer. The book is Ad Men, Mad Men, and the Real World of Advertising, which is a fascinating book, by the way. But first, Dave, before welcome to the show, and tell us a little bit about yourself personally before we talk about anything else. Well, I, I started out uh, as, as after graduating from the University of Connecticut wanting to be a uh, stand-up comic. 
And I moved to Chicago. I studied stand-up uh, improvisation at Second City in Chicago. And while I was there, I met a uh, another student at Second City, and he was working at J. Walter Thompson, which at the time was the largest advertising agency in the world. And uh, he got me interested in advertising and uh, in in, the, in that world. And I joined J. Walter Thompson in 1977, almost 40 years ago. And I've been in the ad game ever since. Ah. And what are you doing now? What's the name of your company? A company is LMO Advertising, or just LMO if you prefer. And uh, we uh, we do all kinds of advertising for government clients. We do recruiting advertising for the Coast Guard. There's a bank here in town that we uh, we work on. We've worked on all kinds of different clients. Okay. Well, what made you decide to write this book? You know, uh, I've read a lot of advertising books, and most of the advertising books are written by, you know, David Ogilvy or, or these guys who are the, the kind of oracles of advertising. And I thought it would be interesting to come at the business more from a foot soldier point of view. What is it like to work in a corporation that sells advertising for a business? What, how do these decisions get, some, get made? There are over 3,000 plus advertising impressions that every single American gets every single day. So I thought it might be fun to talk about it more uh, from the point of view of how, how do we make these decisions, what, what, what kind of goes into it, and then what's it like to work in an advertising agency. Hmm. Well, um, I, I, I'm not going to talk, talk, talk about it. Tell me some of, some of the things that you, um, you bring out in this book for our audience, because I know there were a couple of things I saw, but you first. Well, I, I, think, I think one of the, the things that's really important in the book is that uh, chemistry and culture are very important in, in any company, whether it's advertising or, or, or any corporate call, any, any company that has more than a few people, in that you should always try to get clients that are, uh, are good, have a good chemistry check with you. There's an expression that says, uh, people will occasionally say, oh, no, it's not personal, it's just business. But whenever you hear that expression, you should be expect to be screwed in the most personal way possible, okay? Because the, the, the heart of business is personal. Keep going. That's uh, fascinating. Please. So... Okay, uh, so 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 when I, when when uh, when I work w with a client or our company w works with a business, we try to we try to make sure that we're a good uh, chemistry and cultural fit because you're either getting cl closer to your clients or you're getting further away from your clients. You know, relationships never stay in the same place. So either you're getting closer or further away. And, and I know which direction I want my relationships with my clients to go. So if you, can make, if you can not only have a client, but you can make a friend, then you're going to have a, you're going to have a very successful business. In fact, Don, if you think about the most successful business relationships you've ever had in your life, they're with people who you respected, people who you trusted, uh, people who you wanted to be around. So although people tend to lots of times think that business and personal are separate, I think that they're intertwined in a, in a way that they can never be uh, pulled apart. You're absolutely right on that. Uh, but it's a two-edged sword. Uh, sometimes you get too close and uh, you start to think that um, uh, you start to have divided loyalties, etc., um, there's an, a new series on, I don't know if you've seen it, on uh, 
um, one of the television channels called Younger. And you, um, but the point about it is it's a book company, but uh, they get involved. Uh, in my limited experience with advertising agencies, the closer they get, the more they take you for granted, especially if you're a smaller client, as many of our uh, uh, small business owners are. What do you say about that? Well, first of all, I think it, what you're saying is true, and I think it's something that you abso abs absolutely have to guard against. In, in fact, when I worked at J. Walter Thompson, they had a very cozy relationship with 7-Up, and they did exactly what you're talking about. They took 7-Up for granted, and, it, and, J., and J. Walter Thompson ended up losing the 7-Up account for just exactly that reason. So I think it puts a great responsibility on the advertising agency, on the people, on the account and the people who who work together to make sure that uh, you you're it's a it's the more people take you for granted in a way it's a great they give you a responsibility they they're they're giving you the responsibility for their brand so you have to you have to be responsible about how you handle that brand ultimately there will be there are numbers involved and those numbers are how many bottles of soda you sell or or how much distribution they have, but there, but there are some really objective numbers, and it's and it's important to not only have a great relationship, it's important to understand that relationship exists to produce a result. So while 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 what you say is absolutely true, that uh, especially with smaller accounts, people can kind of take you for granted. I think that the onus is on the advertising agency itself to make sure that doesn't happen. But um, also, isn't it that you have to uh, set expectations? that both uh, feel are achievable rather than um, trying to uh, reach the sky well yeah absolutely and one of the one of the things we try to do at lmo is when we sit down with a client we say where where do we want to be next year at this time what is what is what is a, what is a realistic goal so we try to set up our goals from year to year you might have some pie in the sky um, you know, goal that that is that's five years or ten years out in the future. But we try to keep it within a manageable time frame. So so by and by setting a a yearly goal every year, then you can benchmark it along the way and see if you're if you're getting close to those goals. I think that that's a that's also a really important part of the business that there there are some objective numbers and there's reasons you don't make those numbers. Uh, I can tell you a, a, fun, a funny story if you would like about that. We Please had do. we 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 had uh, an account called the Virginia Railway Express. Okay, they're they're kind of like the LI, you know, the Long Island Express or whatever, the commuter rail line for Washington D.C. And the, and we came up with a campaign for them. And and we, and the and the day that we launched that campaign, uh, their ridership went from five thousand a day. It dropped to like fifteen hundred that day, the very first day we launched the campaign. What had happened is there was a derailment. <laughs> so no one. So since since the rail lines were down, no one could go back and forth. So we also have to understand when you're setting goals that that, that events can overcome advertising. In fact, they can swamp advertising. Something can happen in the environment that completely changes everything about what your goals are. So I think that when you're setting when you're setting goals, it's extremely important to be flexible. So. Uh, of course, the the line was eventually fixed, and actually, the Virginia Railway Express went from about 5,000 riders a day, eventually over the course of the next 10 years, to about 15,000, which was a tremendous success story. But right out of the gate, we we started the marathon by falling on our faces. 
Well, 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 talk about lowering the bar, huh? Oh, <laughs> oh. But now, talk about. Uh, talk about he- but now, uh, um, how do you tell a client that 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 he he or she is simply not allocating enough money to to the this effort? Uh, that 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 does vary by client. Uh, some sometimes sometimes cl- clients have goals, but they're not willing to invest to to reach those goals, and that's that's a problem. I I think the best way to deal with money is is to be very honest about it. Uh, I used to have a boss that you used to always say, "Yeah, you want a Mercedes, but you can only afford a Yugo." So so you wouldn't ex- you wouldn't expect to buy a Mercedes for a Yugo price. So if these are your goals, you can't expect to reach those goals by paying a by by you paying a Yugo price. And I think I think that that kind of analogy, which is what advertisers do all the time, is is a is a simple way to think about uh having that conversation. Hmm. Well, well, let's talk a little bit about comp- compensation. Uh small businesses um Go in, often go into this without really, um, without really uh, understanding. Uh, you, you can make some of your compensation uh, by placing advertising, but you also uh, now it seems more uh, um, more frequent that uh, agencies are in uh, uh, some sort of cost arrangement uh, or a fee arrangement. You want to talk about that and say uh, some of the things that a small business person should be looking at in this area well, yeah yeah for, for, first first of all again it's it, certain businesses are more sensitive to advertising than, than other businesses are you are you are you, do you are you a business to business advertiser are you a business to consumer advertiser uh, do you have distribution so 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 strategically you kind of have to figure out where you are in the first place, and and then what you need to do is to is, uh, is is structure a fee that both the agency and the client can feel comfortable with. Like you said, sometimes that's on a fee basis, but more and more we see that we we see more and more that uh, if you make a promise by the end of the year, say okay, we 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 will spend this amount of money over the course of the year, but then work project to project. You can work on you can work on a project basis with a client. In fact, working on a project basis, uh, if you're a, especially a small business, m- many agencies will take you on, and uh, just to get you into the agency, will work on a project for you, and that, and that also gives you not only the opportunity to uh, to work with a very small budget because you're only working on your first project, but it gets you an opportunity to meet those people, to see how that agency works, and then to decide whether or not the chemistry is right and the culture is right, and these are people that you you believe can help you get where you want to go. So I think I think this. I think I think especially for smaller advertisers, uh, approaching an agency that will let you work on a project-by-project basis, at least initially, is really important. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, You have some fascinating – I'm leafing through the book as we talk because uh, I found so much uh, um, (laughs) – frankly, there were places here where I laughed laughed out uh, loud. And um, you, I love your last chapter, which is all business is personal, and and you're so right about that. I had the experience. Um, uh, yes, uh, uh, I don't know if you want to even address it, but what I call the blow off tele, uh, email. This uh, the last line is always good luck to you in your future endeavors. Uh, 
you know, I sat there and um, uh, I just sat there and said, you know, that was that's kind of not very nice. But anyway, do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, yeah. I, it's I I've been on both sides of the table. Uh, I think, and I think that I think that in an, in a normal career, especially in a volatile industry like advertising, you can expect occasionally that you're going to get let go, and you can and 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 when you become a a a person of more of a supervisor, you can expect that at some point you're going to have to let people go. I think the most important thing is to remember what it was like to be on the other side of the table, and uh, and and the lots of and lots of times in, in our business, people don't get fired for anything that they've done wrong. They get fired because the agency lost a client and it has nothing to do with that particular person. So um, I, I, th- I think that you, you have to just, you have to be able to uh, bring empathy to that. And, and I, th- I think when you, when you talk about a sentence like uh, good luck, good luck on your future endeavors, there's, there's, there's no empathy or understanding in that. Uh, and, and, and I have been in a situation where I had, where uh, we had a, uh, was, was a reduction in force, I guess is the nice way to say it, where we had to let a, a bunch of people go. And, and I sat there and I said, listen, this, you know, this is not your fault. This is my fault. This is the agency's fault that you're, that you're being let go. We, we, you didn't fail us, we failed you. And I try to make sure that those people understood that, uh, that this was just, this is, this was, this was, this, they had done everything right. It was just unavoidable at that point, and that it really. But there was blame, and that blame didn't lie with them. Well, I, I always ask this question: if, uh, In your experience, what would be the three things you would tell a small business uh, leader uh, they should be doing uh, to, to improve success, uh, their chances of success? Well, I think from an advertising point of view, I think that's I think small business has to have a, have realistic goals about whether or not their business is advertising sensitive. Some some businesses are a, a, advertising sensitive, and some aren't. And and the, that would be the that would be the first thing before you would engage the second thing. The second thing I would tell them is, don't uh, don't let them um, shine you on. Okay. Lots of times to get small businesses to sign up, what advertising agencies will do is tell the business owner, well, we really need you to be on the radio because no one can tell the story like you can tell the story, which is never actually true. But they, but they, will, sh- they will shine on an owner like that to get them invested in the advertising uh, in, terms of, in terms of their ego. So, so I, would, I, would say, I would say in your, in your chemistry check, uh, make sure that make sure that you're cynical enough about not only the business that you're you're looking at, not only objective about that, but objective about yourself as well. So th- those those would be two. Uh, if you a- if you ask me to, to for a, for a third one, I would I would I would I would probably just kind of backtrack a little bit and say, you know, make sure your goals are realistic, because if they're not because if because if your goals are not realistic, then you then no one can help you achieve them. These are three good ones. When you said it, I, I remember uh, when I'm going to say it on the air. There was this perfectly awful woman uh, who was the wife of Walter Bauman Jewelers in the New York area, and uh, she always talked about it. And, uh, her commercials were the most uh, grating thing, but the agency kept the account because uh, they had her on the show. Uh, uh, you know, they had her as a spokesperson. 
I've, I've always remembered that talking to the president who said that's how I keep the account. Uh, and that, and, and, boy, that's so true. And 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 you see and you see these people all the time, and you cringe, and and you wonder how these people cannot have enough self awareness to take one step back and say, is this, is why am I why am I really doing this? Well, why do you put the title madman into? Oh, I well, I uh, put the I, that I actually started in 1977 back at J. Walter Thompson, as we talked about earlier, and uh, that was the that really was the uh, the end of the Mad Men era. And and I had watched the TV show Mad Men, and there's a couple there's a couple of chapters in here about Mad Men, and I I do compare uh, some of the things that go on in the TV show Mad Men to to my actual career in advertising. And the most amazing thing, Don is that the one thing that they really did not uh, exaggerate in Mad Men was the amount of drinking that went on in advertising 30 years ago. It was every, every second office had a bar in it. People had bottles of wine and, and bottles of scotch in their desks. When clients came in, the first thing very often that happened was people had a drink. Uh, it's shocking when you think about it, but I mean that, they did not really exaggerate the amount of drinking that went on in, in the industry back then. You're absolutely right. I'm I'm of your generation, and I, I re, uh, remember uh, 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 several times uh, I was on teams that uh, w um, were vetting uh, ad agencies, and um, I, I remember one one party um, got uh, a very raunchy, uh, and um, and I worked for for a very state publishing company, but. Um, uh, and then in walked the uh, the president of the company, who was a very uh, uh, straight-laced kind of guy, and uh, uh, half the people in the room got fired the next day. <laughs> but uh, you, you, you're so right about it. I I, I saw part of it. But uh, what is it like today, though? What's different about it today? Do you think? Well, I think I think one of the, one of the big differences is the uh, influence that millennials kind of wield inside of corporations now. Um, millennials are, are and and again, when you're talking about groups, you're not talking about individuals. So this this is this this is a generalization. But millennials tend to like to do things in in groups. They uh, their dating patterns were different than dating patterns of the previous generation. They 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 would date they date five and six together all the time. Uh, they they travel in groups all the time. So so they require millennials require a lot more consensus. I think, and so inside a, inside an advertising agency, you see a lot a lot more uh, a lot more open space, a lot more meeting rooms where little groups of little clusters of people. Where where in uh, when I started in the business, it was like you know a writer in a room with a pad and a pencil and just kind of cranking out ideas. And now now it's a now it's a, it's very much more of a collaborative process. So I think that I think that that, is, that has been a shift in, in the industry. Hmm. You really, really think so? Because uh, um, uh, I'm, I'm of uh, differing minds at, at times about this. Um, I, um, uh, talking to people, for instance, the cho um, uh, decisions on online, on advertising of all sorts now seems to be more uh, done more by uh, uh, computer than by re um, live people. The idea of taking a chance. 
uh, as one as one um, uh, publisher told me recently, uh, it's very difficult to get these pe- kids to take chances on new publications or new ideas. Are you seeing that, or do you see something different? Yeah, I, I think I think that that's probably correct as well. I think that uh, I think they are. This is a, a more risk adverse generation that's that's come up, and uh, and so uh, a, a, a lot. I think that's they're more comfortable with technology, and technology makes people more comfortable with data, and they're, and they're trying to use data for everything. And a lot of things are better off um, with human judgment. Even, even when you have the best data in the world, Don, you, somebody at some point still has to make a judgment with how to use that data or what that data is really saying. And, and, and data, cannot, data cannot answer all your questions. You're still at some point going to have to bring the, and this comes back to all businesses personal, you're going to have to bring that human element back into it to, uh, to, to interpret and to make judgments about how that data should be used. So although, although, although I, agree, I agree with you, they're more risk adverse and they're, and, and, and they're more data driven, I think, I, I still think that there's a, a, a place for, a, for for strong opinion, and 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 a lot of time I think that that strong opinion ends up being right. I I, I agree with you, but then again, uh, you and I are a little bit older than these kids, and uh, <laughs> what, what what always strikes me is they'll be walking down the street together and they'll be communicating through their phones to each other. Uh, yeah. Um, but they, it, they do, tra- but they will, tra- but they travel in that herd. I mean, they're, they, 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 you know, it's, you know, it's like one millennial alone is a stray. They mostly, they, they, they mostly travel in groups. Yes. So, uh, you know what though? I, the technology, the technology, I think, has overall been good. And, and the, and the one, the one effect that the technology has had, uh, if I can get just a little off point, is that. Um, is immediacy that if you say what's the difference between when I started advertising in '77 and what is advertising like and going to be like in 2017? It's it's immediacy. In, in the old days, you used to make an ad and then send the ad to the printer and then the then the wait for the book to come out and then the book would come out and then there'd be an ad. Then somebody would see the ad. Then somebody would have to go to the store and that process would be taken six or eight or ten weeks. Now you get with the internet, you can go from someone never even having heard of your product to buying your product in minutes. So the, 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 the immediacy of what you do is, is, is bam and can be measured almost, uh, almost instantaneously. So, that, so that's what, and, and you can change the ad. If the ad's not working, you can change the ad tomorrow. So I think, that the, I think inside the industry itself that that is the biggest change that I've seen over the course of my almost 40 years in the business. Well, well, it's interesting you mention that because last week we had on this program a man who said, uh, uh, forget social media. And uh, in effect said, people go on social media to communicate, not to buy product. And uh, he believes in word of mouth. Uh, What do you think about that? No, I think so. I, I, I I basically disagree with it. I think social media is is really important because w- what social media is is a, is a third party endorser. If you can if you can get if you can put something out on social media and get people to agree with it, suddenly it's not you promoting the product, it's the friends or the family of a potential prospect promoting the product, and that's very very powerful. If, uh, I would make the case that social media is word of mouth. 
that uh, that social that social media really is a way if you if you do it correctly to get secondary and tertiary endorsements of your product by the people who are who are the most important product endorsers you could possibly have. So and I, and I don't think that social media is going to from an advertising point of view is going to slow down at all. I will say this about social media. Social media is best at reinforcing your existing customers. It's much better at reinforcing your existing customers than it is for prospecting. I think if you're prospecting then you really should be advertising with with banner ads and 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 and, uh, and on websites and with sponsorships rather than on social media. But social media is I think a great retention tool and it's also and it's also a great way to uh to fire up your current users. Where can people get your book again is Ad Men Mad Men and the Real World of Advertising. Where can people get get it and where can they uh, reach you? Uh, the, the, I have a I have a Facebook page. My name is Dave Marinacio, and 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 I'll I'll answer any question to anybody who comes to my web to uh, my Facebook page. And they can get the book on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or uh, pretty much anybody that sells books is gonna uh, ha- gonna have it. It's uh, it, it, the bookstore. Uh, the bookstores are spotty. If you go into it looking in a bookstore for it, you may or may not find it, but you absolutely will find it. On Amazon, you will find it on BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, Dave, spell your last name. My last name is Amazon Mary A R I N A C C I O Marinacio. Okay, uh, Dave, it's been great talking with you. Your book is great, and uh, uh, we'll hope we have you back on uh, next year to talk about some of the other things that are happening. That'd be great, Don. No, really, thank you for a really great time together. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. And I like to say this may not be the greatest business book ever written, but I guarantee it will be one of the funniest you read. I agree with you. I'm enjoying it. I started last night and couldn't put it down, but I had to go to sleep. But uh, otherwise, <laughs> I would have finished it. But I will finish you, you, before the before the end of the week. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that very, very much. No, no, it's a great book. Thank you. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics, for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.com.